Hi friends, I am so glad you're here. And I also hope wherever you are that you're getting some of this amazing weather we are having here in Ohio. Like, it's crazy. But anyways, I hope that you're enjoying some nice weather wherever you are listening from. And I'm so excited for the show today. So Jeff Reese is a family man. He's a Christmas tree farmer and just a hilarious human being to be around. And I think we're going to have such a great time talking about how to pick out the best Christmas tree for your family. Um, I know, I know there are some people that are like hating on the early Christmasness, but if you are getting a real Christmas tree, you have to think about these things ahead of time. So go grab a beer and join me for this episode of Life Over a Beer. So I'm here with Jeff Reese, and Jeff, I am so excited about having you on the podcast. I'm also excited that having you on the podcast means that the holidays are around the corner, which also means holiday beers, Yes, which is also my favorite part of the holiday. So do you want to start off by telling us what you're drinking? I am drinking a delicious Shiner Cheer. And I was kind of shocked, as it is still October when we're recording this, that Shiner Cheer is already out. But it is such a wonderful beer to drink. It is just so good. I love it. And I, I, it's like I can drink three or four. Some of those Christmas ales are awesome, but you drink one and it's like game over. This is, this is the drinking man's Christmas ale. I love it. It is a really good one, and it's probably the best Texan Christmas beer. I know. I, I have to be careful. I have some family that lives in Texas, but I, you know, Texas gets enough credit for enough things. They don't need to have the 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 award on beer or anything like that, but I just love it. It's so good. Yeah. So I am drinking, I always mess up the name. It's Breckenridge Brewery. Mm-hmm. They're a Colorado brewing company, and it's their Christmas ale. So it's a very malty, very full flavor. It is just what you think with Christmas ales. It's got all the spices and that dark color. Um, it's a really easy drinker, but I agree with you. It's probably not one you're going to sit down and have, you know, four or five of for yeah, sure. Yeah, pro- probably not. Now, would you drink it with the um, – do they serve it with the cinnamon sugar rim? Do you, if you go someplace, do they do I've that? I've never had it. You never had that. I've never had. It. I've only ever had that with um, Great Lakes Christmas, which Ale, is which is phenomenal. Again, you know that is that's like the premium, but that is I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna have one beer, and then yeah. like if I if anything any more happen, I have to find an Uber or something because game over. Yeah, it's a heavy yeah. one. Um, but it's so good, definitely with the sugar and cinnamon are on the rim. And then also, it, I'm going to post this to the Facebook page and social and the Instagram. But last year, I made a Christmas ale pie using Christmas ale beer. Really? In it. So good. Mm. Yes. So good. You soak apples in it for like four hours. It's awesome. I can't see how that would be bad. It's so Everything's good. better with Christmas. So. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Like that's how you deal with like all the holiday traffic 
and the crazy relatives. Uh, like, I don't think you should be dealing with traffic and Christmas ale. I think maybe, maybe. not this year of pandemic. <laughs> maybe that'll be the best part about 2020. There's no holiday traffic. There you I go. I, remember, I just said Uber. If it's more than one Uber, and then you don't have traffic or any of that, you're good. It's all covered. That's true. <laughs> That's true. So, being a Christmas tree farmer. This is a very busy time of the year. Even though we're recording at the end of October, this will release in November, which is also an even busier time of the year for you. Uh, yeah, this, we've, we basically already have been uh, mowing like gangbusters trying to get the farm ready. And about half the farm is. We actually uh, hosted a wedding at our farm this year, just last weekend. My oldest brother got married. And so we had to have uh, some of the prettier parts of the farm had to be polished more than they would normally be this time of year. Usually they let the leaves fall and kind of take care of things from there. But we actually, we have a bridge and we have a little walnut grove. And so we weeded around all the trees down there. And, and really it was just a stunning setting for a wedding. It was really great. But otherwise, even without that, it is uh, kind of nonstop mowing each tree that we are selling we're going to mow down one side and then the other side and then we're going to go back and then we're going to mow diagonal or on the other side of it down and back again so each tree is going to get mowed around four times just this fall and they've already been mowed around and managed all summer long so that is a lot of work and then we uh, individually price all of our trees now and we got to get everything lined up and get the barn and the sales area ready and it's a lot of planning and a lot of stress with trying to manage everybody's because we all have full-time jobs so we have to do our real jobs and then we have to get on a mower and my uh, my twin brother actually is working a swing shift so right now he's on thirds and so he has to stay awake when he's not working and so he just mows. He mows from like 10 o'clock until 1.30 a.m. And he just has this little spotlight and he's just shining the light on the mower and he's just trucking, just going. So <laughs> that's pretty impressive. That is impressive. Like kudos to him. Uh, I just, I think that's great actually. But I love what you guys do on your farm. I've been out to your place and it's just a beautiful location. Can you tell everybody a little more about your farm, where it's located, kind of the origins yeah, of it? Yeah, we are uh, in Mount Cory, which is about 15 miles west of Finley. So we're kind of in between Finley and, and Lima. And we're just a few, few miles off uh, of Interstate 75 exit. But we have been planting and raising trees for 30, boy, I'm getting old, almost 37 years. We've been selling trees for a little over 30 now and I have three brothers so there's four boys and I always have joked that uh, my dad when he realized he was going to have four boys he was either going to uh, kill us put us to work or go crazy and two of those things happened and so we're all still here so he is definitely crazy and he's definitely taught us what it means to work and work hard and it is it's interesting when we Mary hardworking women like my amazing wife, who even, you know, as hard as working as she is, she's kind of like, you guys are nuts. Like this is, this is a lot of work for, for what? And it's kind of like, cause we like it. <laughs> we just love it. It's just, it, 
it would be weird without it. And, uh, but it's, you know, my dad invested as part of his retirement into this land and to buy trees. And so for basically for 10 years, he, he just poured every extra penny into the farm to make it work. And then for 10 years after that, he kind of broke even maybe a little bit, you know, he, at least the farm could pay for itself. And so now we're at a point where the, the farm is paid off and he can kind of start recouping some of that. But all of us, our investment is time. And uh, we're growing to the point where we sell, we sold almost 1,700 trees last year, which is crazy for a small little farm, family farm with no full-time employees and, you know, in Mount Cory, Ohio. Absolutely. Well, and I think that's such the big part of ag too, is a lot of people that probably don't think Christmas tree farms are part of agriculture. But people also probably don't realize that, you know, the Hallmark movie, this guy has a Christmas tree farm. Yeah, it, it looks all pretty. Everyone, cute. there's a burly tree farmer. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it's a cutesy little thing, but it's a lot of work and a lot of time because those trees don't just all of a sudden shoot a- up in their Christmas tree. <laughs> right. Well, that's what people are always shocked when they're like, well, how old is this tree? And I'm like, well, that tree's probably about 10 years old. And very rarely are we selling trees that are younger than 10 years. So for 10 years, we have trimmed that tree. We have mowed around that tree literally hundreds of times. We have fertilized that tree. If there are, uh, you know, we've had some disease issues. So sometimes we have to spray, but we actually try really hard to not spray. So we, we actually don't spray any insecticides on our trees because like, um praying mantises are really good bug eaters but if you spray you kill praying mantises but the side effect of that is is that then a lot of the trees have those little praying mantis cocoons and so we have to constantly watch for those so we don't want to discourage the praying mantises but like you don't want a praying mantis cocoon in your house either so it's, it's not it's the new up on the shelf right it's not no no that's why i always say if it happens it is it's kind of crazy there's there's just they're everywhere but they'll eat all your spiders then they'll eat each other and then they'll just go away and it's not fun for like a day or two but it's also you know people don't really like the idea of their christmas tree that their their kids are going to be hanging ornaments on being covered in chemicals and stuff like that and for the most part the, the farms that do that and do all that, it's fine because they don't have praying mantises. They don't have some of those things. So it's, it's a balancing act. It's just on our farm, we have, we have worked pretty hard to not do that. So, cause it's, it's all balancing that ecosystem. Trees are awesome because they're a long-term investment. Like you plant a tree and it's like, you don't make money off that thing for a long, long time. So you want, the soil that it's in, you want the air that, you know, you want all that environment around it to be as good as possible for that tree. Because the last thing you want is to invest nine years into a tree and then have something happen. Have my dad run over it with a lawnmower or something crazy like that. (laughs) I'm sure that never happens. (laughs) No, (laughs) never. Not usually. It's not usually. Dad, it's usually the little ones. The little ones are the problem, but Every once in a while, uh, uh, a big one meets an unfortunate demise or deer. We actually, that's one of the other unintended things is tree farms are 
great places for deer to hang out because they feel safe. And then, you know, this time of year comes around and they have all this itchy velvet on their antlers. And so they're looking for a nice sticky branch to rub all the velvet off. And so you go back and what would be a hundred dollar Christmas tree is missing a whole half. (laughs) Now now it's a, we're going to make wreaths out of that tree. Great. Awesome. So it, and that happens. It's, it's part of nature, but yeah, it's, I was going to say Christmas trees are, are a really cool part of agriculture because it's, it's a huge investment into the soil and you know, what, what grows in that soil. So pine trees like wet soil, fir trees like sandy soil, spruce trees, kind of like whatever, they're going to go slow no matter what. They'll be like, oh, we'll see you in 20 years. All right. Thanks, guys. I like how you're telling, like, the attitude of trees. <laughs> I like it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're happy trees. As Bob Ross would say, they're happy trees. Just some are happier than They others. are happy trees. Now, okay, so I have all the questions, and I'm going to try to keep our podcast episode short. But oh, if... Well, that was a bad idea with me talking. <laughs> me too. Me too. Um, so if I wanted to buy a real Christmas tree, because you and I both know real is better than fake, what should I know if I'm a first time real tree buyer? Number one, when you buy a real tree, it needs water. Mm. One of my best friends who actually worked on our farm for a weekend, uh, took a tree home, had no idea that he had to water it. Didn't water it one time. And actually... That real tree cut off the farm, made it without dropping all of its needles all the way from Thanksgiving until Christmas, which is not what's supposed to happen. Um, but that's the thing is real. Everybody thinks real trees, fire hazard, lose all the needles, do all that. You're bringing nature in your house. So sometimes, yes, that does happen. Sometimes you get a praying mantis. That does happen. Um, but you're bringing you're bringing nature into your house, but it's a living thing. No different than, you know, people put plants in their house because it makes them feel, it feels more homey. It feels, you know, there's something nice about having plants in your house. Christmas trees the same way. When you're putting a dead plastic, as my dad says, the guy that invented the artificial tree also invented the toilet brush. He's like (laughs) basically a glorified toilet brush in your house. It's, you can still have memories with that. You can, you know, I don't want to discredit people's memories, but it's, I, the crazy thing is, and I'm going to get on a tangent. People actually think that an artificial tree is a more environmentally friendly thing to get than a real tree. And that's insane to me, but people genuinely believe it. And I have a hard time not getting in like Facebook arguments with people when they post stuff like that. Cause they're like, wow, all the chemicals and everything that you're doing in the, the gas it takes for people to drive and get your trees. And I'm like, but it's plastic and metal and it goes into a landfill. Also studies have shown uh, the average artificial tree, even though they say they last, you know, 10 years, that sort of thing. So people are like, Oh, I'll invest all this money. But the average artificial tree only is like two to three years. And then people either pitch it and get a new one or, you know, they don't put up a tree or something like that. All that's just in a landfill somewhere. How is that good for anybody? So if you get a real tree, you're actually benefiting the environment. You're supporting local businesses in a lot of ways. Even if you're buying trees from 
some of the stores, they, they still came from farms. So they're, they're not my favorite, but it's still a good thing. But in answer to your question, when you buy a real tree, no matter what, if you buy it from a lot, make sure you get a fresh cut on it. Make sure that tree, because basically the bottom of the tree covers over with sap. So you need to cut that off so that it opens the pores so that it can drink water and then make sure that you water it. There's the answer to your question, long form. Yeah. No, I think that's so important because I think in all the hustle and bustle of the season, I mean, I'm terrible at keeping houseplants alive, super honest here. Like, if you want to kill a plant, send it to my house. Um, But I do know that a Christmas tree needs lots of water. And probably if it's not being watered appropriately, that is when it becomes a fire hazard. Maybe. I don't know. You tell me. Well, the, the only reason it's a fire hazard is if there's like a spark. And if you have sparks coming out of your Christmas lights, like you have other issues other than your Christmas tree, right? Like True. there has to be an open flame source to start it. So like if your lights are sparking, you're going to have a fire, whether you have a real tree or a fake tree. And actually, if you think about it, an artificial tree, you have all those hingy branches and it's metal. What are the odds that your wires get pinched and something like that happens on an artificial tree? Seems a lot more likely. On a real tree, where you got to take the lights off and put them back on every time, you're actually inspecting the lights as you put them on. Less likely you're to have like a frayed wire or something to have an issue. I can see that. Okay. But the biggest thing is people just don't know, and then it ruins their experience. So then they're like, "Oh, I don't want to do that again. I had it, all the needles fell off." Well, as long as you take care of it, which is really the first couple of days, you got to water it a bunch, and then after that, it acclimates. Unless your house is 80 degrees it acclimates and then it, it slows down and then you only got to water it every couple of days. See, you're just a wealth of knowledge. And I think a lot of people don't know that. I hope everyone that goes and buys a real tree listens to this episode. <laughs> I do too. Let's make sure the world hears this. Yeah. Public service announcement for the holidays. <laughs> yes. And make sure that you have <laughs> Christmas shiner cheer. Yes. You need a real tree. Shiner cheer beer, so that way all of your season is merry, no matter who exactly comes in right. your house. Everybody <laughs> needs to have some cheer. Everyone needs to have some cheer. I like that. That's going to be the Love new it. tagline. Everyone needs some cheer. Now, Jeff, what's your favorite part of being a Christmas tree farmer? Uh, honestly, as cheesy as it sounds, it's the watching families do stuff together. Um, I don't think you see a lot. Like. You go to a park, you might see the mom and the and a kid, you know, at the swing, or you might see the dad and 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 their daughter at soccer practice or something. But like there aren't a lot of things anymore where families can just come, relax, wind down, and like just do something together. And it seems like even though there's some all oftentimes one kid wants one tree and another kid wants another tree, ultimately they're building those memories and they're creating a tradition and they may not always appreciate it along the way, but we've been doing this so long. There's actually a, a family a couple years ago and they were like sobbing when I was taking their picture with their tree and they're like, thank you so much. Well, they used to come to our farm when we first opened the dad worked for an oil company, moved to Texas, had been gone for 20 years. His daughter, 
graduated college, got a job at the same company, moved back to Finley, and they came out. And so their whole family came up to come pick out the tree for the first time. And they just, they had all these memories as like, they're like, my daughter was like five when she came, when we came first to get a tree. And now she's an adult and we're picking out her tree for her house at the same place. And they're just like, this is so special. And those are the things that it's, it's hard to really quantify how awesome that is. But when you get to be even just a small little part of people's stories that way, it, like, it's hard to argue that the work and the effort and all that stuff isn't worth it because it's just cool. And where else do you get to see stuff like that for free? I mean, I, I just get to be a part of something that awesome over and over again at the tree farm. That's pretty cool. That is really cool. And I feel, I, I agree with you. I think the world, I, I feel like every generation says the world is moving so much quicker, but in the world of like social media and all of these things, there are less moments when we're all just together as a family, just focus on doing something together as a family without, I mean, I'm sure people are taking Instagram photos and stuff like that, but just being together, mm-hmm. not distracted. It is. That's pretty and, cool. there, and I will say you know, we live in Northwest Ohio, so it's very flat where we're at. There's not a lot of topography. And for whatever reason, God blessed us with a little bit of rolling hill and some bottom ground and a, and a bubbling creek goes through our farm. And, you know, it's just we, we are kind of unique in our area of it's just very scenically beautiful in addition to that. And, and so a lot of times people just wander around and especially in a COVID year where you've been so cooped up and stuff we're going to try and do like a scavenger hunt and some other stuff and encourage people to just because we can't do the petting zoo that we would like to do and we can't do some of those things that we typically do and so we're like well what can we do where people are just outside and you don't have to wear a mask and you can just enjoy yourself when you're in the middle of a woods on a scavenger hunt like that's pretty cool and in this year unique yeah, that's extra cool for this year, for sure. Now, fun fact for all of our listeners, you met your wife yes. on the farm. On the bridge. Well, I met her before the bridge, but the bridge was the defining moment. We had a bit of a breakthrough, <laughs> I'd say. <laughs> and me, yeah. who knows the story, uh, oh. thinks that's hilarious. But I always think that's a very sweet part of your love story. It sounds very hallmarky. She she met her lumberjack and she she went after it. She she saw what she wanted and she pursued it. And I, uh, being a little shell shocked at all of it, I was kind of like, oh. And she's kind of like, are you going to ask me out or what? Let's go. It's like, okay, let's do this. And anybody who doesn't know your wife needs to know that she is just very, like, she is the most determined. The first day I met her, um, I just remember her walking into the room because we work together. And she walking in the room, I'm like, ooh, that woman needs business. <laughs> like, she means business mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I was totally scared of her. She's but terrifying. she ended up being great. She was really in mind for a little while. <laughs> Oh, good memories, <laughs> good memories. 
it was funny because we were living together when she was telling me the story and i'm just like this is wild like what's happening it, it was it was just kind of crazy how and you know i really feel like i had gone through a rough patch and i had been married before and then divorced and was kind of just lost and and listless for a while and i had met some really good people along that way but just i wasn't quite ready and i think even when i met haley the first time at the bridge i wasn't quite ready and you know a month or two had gone by and then we kind of rekindled everything again and that was i i always say um she reached out to me and we started talking and we've literally talked every day since that point so it was just kind of worth it she, yeah, it she's is. in the other room. I'm sure she's rolling yes, her eyes. Yeah, she's now. like, I'll just be in sappy again. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, Jeff, on every episode, my favorite question to ask is what would you tell your 25 year old self? Just because I think it's such a pivotal time. I, I, I love it. So, I would say be patient, continue to work hard, and definitely eat less pizza. I I could have used yeah <laughs> my twenty seven year old uh, <laughs> self could use that advice. Yes, <laughs> I I I went through a, a a pizza buffet stage there, and you know, kind of kind of let myself slip for a while, and was like, mm, I really like pizza and beer, and uh, and so I think that would have been a good lesson to say, hey, you know, maybe pump the brakes on the pizza buffets a little bit, and you know go to the gym a little more those that would have been good advice yeah. <laughs> i love it i absolutely love it and i just love that question because for me i thought about doing this podcast when i was 25 and even though i'm only two years away from that i'm still just like oh my god you didn't know what you didn't know like you had no clue <laughs> there's so and i mean i think there's things now i don't know too but 25 is such an interesting time I, I will say that uh, now being almost 37, I'm not quite there, but uh, it is amazing how often the looking back of, boy, did I not know, I didn't even know what to not know at that point. And even, yeah. you know, my wife and I remodeled the old farmhouse and we went through all these growing pains while she was pregnant and trying to have, you know, and then we had a baby and then introducing, you know, our daughter to the world and all that. And it was just like, we had no idea that we didn't even know how much stuff we did. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. What a beautiful journey and a complicated journey and an overwhelming journey. Sometimes life is very good, true. Very true. But at least there's Christmas trees and beer absolutely like that and it's right at the end of the year i always think that's the best part i don't know who decided christmas needs to be at the end of the year but what a great way to send it all off it's a wonderful capstone it is that and hopefully what i was going to say and hopefully a buckeyes national championship but that's yeah yeah you know that's super important actually Very more important this year than any other year but just saying I'm with you. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I always love the Christmas season and the fact that, you know, we go from Thanksgiving into Christmas. 
I don't know. There is something magical about that time. I will say the 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 cool thing or you know whatever with us is life is so insane from Thanksgiving until the, like the week before Christmas. But it also that week before when we're closed and we're not at the farm every day and then Christmas it is so sweet to just like relax and spend time with family and just it it makes it very very sweet to just enjoy ourselves and just enjoy being around family and and just kind of stepping back for a few days that's my favorite part about christmas so i can't wait to do that like with my daughter too that's going to be awesome yeah because this is Ray's first christmas right she first one she was uh she's a year old now but she was basically just like a two-month-old so she was an infant and you know not very interactive so this year we're going to be able to like lay on the floor and play all day or you know whatever it'll be great that will be great oh i'm so excited for you guys i'll have to i'll have to drive up and visit for sure definitely gift shops open so jeff if people want to learn more about the farm and connect with you guys How's the best way for them to do that? Um, they can always message. We actually have a Facebook page, Kaleidoscope Farms, and or a website, and that. Or you could always just email. Anybody can email me. Um, it's just jreese at ocj ohio'scountryjournal.com, which is my real job, uh, which is a pretty fantastic gig too. But uh, but yeah, I was gonna say our, our Kaleidoscope Farms or kaleidoscopefarms.com or uh, and email me. Any of those ways work great. Okay, and I will definitely connect that um, on the Facebook and Instagram and the show notes, so that way people have easy access to that. Great. But I'm just so glad you were on the show, and it makes me so excited for the holidays. And I really miss you and Haley, so I do need to come up and visit. Definitely, just. No, if you come up when we're open, that sometimes we don't get to interact a lot. <laughs> sure, sure, absolutely, absolutely. But Parker sells Princess Shiner's Shiner cheer on tap, so the after party oh, is always. Well, we will have to enjoy that after party for sure. <laughs> well, I'm just so glad you're on the show. And friends, if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. Make sure you leave a review so that way others can find the podcast easily. And of course, uh, like and follow the Facebook and Instagram pages to know more about our guests every single week. And until the next time we uh, all get together, I hope that you enjoy life over a beer. Cheers. <laughs>